Perhaps more than any other moment in history, it's important to educate girls to become the women we need to help solve the world's biggest challenges. But how do we educate and empower girls to become ethical, globally-minded changemakers? Hello, and thanks for tuning into Pep Talks, podcasts on educational possibilities, produced by the National Coalition of Girls Schools. I'm Olivia Haas, your host. In our first two episodes of the season, we explored diversity, equity, and inclusion work, as well as restorative justice practices in girls' schools as ways of building communities of belonging. This episode will further explore this theme by looking at how girls' schools can develop the ethical leaders our communities need to help create a more inclusive world. The proactive work happening in girls' schools is really a microcosm of the larger global conversation as our greatest challenges are truly universal in scope, from global health to racial justice, from climate change to human rights. Educated, empowered women, like the ones coming out of girls' schools, will be indispensable to overcoming these challenges. Today, I'll be joined by two sets of guests. In this first half, I'm speaking with Linda Douglas, principal of Wrighton Girls' School, located in a suburb of Melbourne, Australia, and Nancy Richards, head of St. Mildred's Lightbourne School in Oakville, Canada, about 30 minutes outside of Toronto. Before speaking with my first guests, here's our glossary of terms for this episode. A global citizen is someone who is aware of and understands their wider world and their place in it. They take an active role in their community and work with others to make our world more peaceful, sustainable, and just. Educating students to be global citizens is really about encouraging young people to develop the knowledge, skills, and values they need to engage with the world. And it's about instilling the belief that we can all make a difference. Ethics, at its simplest, is a system of moral principles. They affect how people make decisions and lead their lives. Ethics is concerned with what is good for individuals and society and is also described as a moral philosophy. Ethics, for instance, cover the following dilemmas. How to live a good life, our rights and responsibilities, the language of right and wrong, moral decisions such as what is good or bad. If you haven't already, I encourage you to listen to our episode on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging where we cover the terms diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice, as well as our restorative justice episode, which defines cultural competence. These are terms that you'll likely hear referenced during today's discussion. So let's get to our first guests. Linda and Nancy, it's wonderful to have you on Pep Talks today. What struck me about your two schools is the focus on educating girls to be global citizens who will help solve problems and create positive change in their communities and the world. Both Wrighton and St. Mildred's Lightbourne talk about educating girls with integrity, women who are honest with strong moral principles, who will do the right thing even when no one's looking. How do your schools instill this in your students? Nancy, would you like to start? Yes, thanks, Olivia. This is a great question, which really highlights the importance of educating and empowering young women to be global citizens who will as our own school mission says, challenge and change the world. We foster and we embed strong moral principles 
in a number of ways. First of all, through our schools, just their, our core values, two of which are integrity and respect. And secondly, SMLS has a long and distinguished legacy of community service and contribution based on strong moral principles dating back more than 129 years. And as such, we gather as a school community, we celebrate both our Anglican roots and all world religions and cultures so that we can embrace diversity. You know, as a school, we also have embraced and integrated the Virtues Project. And it's an exciting global grassroots initiative sparking a global approach to moral justice and integrity in more than a hundred countries around the world. And the Virtues Project was actually founded in Canada in 1991 by Linda Kavlin Popov. And it's been honored by the United Nations during the International Year of the Family as a model global ethics program for families of all cultures. Uh, it contains a hundred common virtues, which are common to the world's religions. And they're included so that we can teach our girls um, the language of the virtues. It's had an enormous impact on the development of moral integrity. And finally, uh, St. Mildred's Lightborn has a long-standing global citizen signature program, which has really helped our girls see themselves as girls of character who have learned to identify with being part of an interconnected and rapidly changing world. Thanks so much. Linda, would you like to uh, add anything? Yeah, thanks, Olivia, and thanks, Nancy. It's been really interesting to listen to Nancy and hear the parallels with our school. Um, certainly in the values, we also have integrity as one of our central values of the school, also citizenship, character and endeavour. And our vision for our girls is to inspire our girls to be bold and to educate girls to live lives of impact and purpose. We went through a strategic process oh, about five years ago now where we reviewed the vision, the values, um, the mission of the school and to look at our strategy going forward. And for us, very similar to what Nancy was saying, part of empowering girls, we felt a central tenant of that needed to be understanding what it meant to be a global citizen and to understand leadership. Uh, like Nancy, our girls are at, within our school from three to 18 years. So we have quite a long journey. And we felt that there were times along the journey where we did leadership training and leadership understanding really well, but we felt, no, that's not enough. It needs to be part of the education of a girl right throughout her education um, so that she can understand what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a follower, and how that looks in your local community and your global community. So Linda, also ingrained in the fabric of your school is a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and developing your students to have a sense of social justice that empowers them to be respectful and socially aware global citizens. How is this incorporated at Wrighton? I think that comes back to um, my previous answer where I was talking about how we embed it within the school. And so like most girls' schools, we've got a very strong curriculum focus, a very strong co-curricular, our clubs, our associations, and our girls have the opportunity to involve themselves in the life of the school and the life of the wider community in different ways. If I go back to talk about leadership, we thought, okay, if we're going to build a leadership framework across the school, what does that look like and how do we want it to grow and what do we want the girls to learn? So we look very much at what does it mean to lead yourself? What does it mean to lead others? 
how do we lead strategically and how do we lead what matters? And those four central um, domains of our leadership program are then built across from three-year-olds through to 18-year-olds with a range of learning experiences and a, lot, a range of different opportunities that the girls may engage in. Um, we too have very strong community service component within our school and a very strong sustainability focus. Some of the girls will choose to look at STEM. They will look at different ways of how they can make a purpose. We use a lot of Brené Brown's work that being vulnerable, that just because you want to do something doesn't mean that it will always work. You'll have some failures. You'll have a lot of learning along the way. And most importantly, you need to learn to work with others. And I think we've really honed in on that over the last few years to understand how we work collaboratively, how we work inclusively, and how we start that from a very young age. It, it does really start from a very young age and we will find, you know, even when we're talking about integrity and what does integrity mean, our girls, very young ones in the junior school were the first ones to say, well, it means you do the right thing when nobody's looking. Um, and they said it in front of a senior school assembly and I think it probably had more impact than anything we could have said that year about integrity to hear that coming out of a six-year-old's mouth. It's been empowering the girls, really getting them to think about how can I have a life of impact? How can I have purpose? How can we make a difference? And what will our legacy be? How will you make a difference for others? I know Wrighton is in the process of joining Round Square, and Nancy, St. Mildred's Lightborn, is already a member. Roundsquare is a network of schools dedicated to developing global competence, character, and understanding in their students. Among the Roundsquare principles is internationalism, which is encouraging students to seek out and embrace the similarities and differences between cultures and nationalities in ways that will promote meaningful, lasting understanding and respect. Another principle is democracy, which is developing a sense of equality, justice, and a desire to do what's right for the greater good. How do you instill these characteristics in girls? Thanks, Olivia. That's a huge question <laughs> and an important one. Through our SMLS Global Citizenship Program, our girls explore and connect with local and global communities through experiential learning trips, community service learning, so many cultural exchanges and international student leadership opportunities. However, our membership with the Round Square has truly enhanced our global citizenship program in that it has allowed our girls and teachers to connect on a personal level. And what's wonderful about our partnership with Round Square is that internationalism and important events across the world in other Round Square schools are celebrated um, across all of our grades at the school. So as an example, each of our grade two students connect authentically with internationalism by developing their own questions about a country that our senior girls might visit. And they create these colorful drawings of themselves in their uniforms, and we call them flat millies. And these drawings of themselves are taken by the girls in their suitcases on the global journey to a round square school where they're equipped to find answers to the questions. And the young girls are so excited and delighted to see themselves in Bhutan. And it's such a simple, but such a, an effective way 
of bringing the world to our youngest girls. And the excitement and the energy our girls and teachers experience after each of these encounters and discourses inspires action in our own community and through awareness events. So what both of you have been describing really is educating girls to become culturally competent leaders. How does service in all its forms and community activism aid in the development of global change makers? Linda, would you like to start us off? Yeah, thanks, Olivia. Um, I think it's a really important question. And I think for us, it's it's that important um, characteristic that you can do a lot of learning, but unless you put that learning into action, will it have meaning? So for us, this is the real action component of what can the girls do and does it come for the girls? So come from the girls, sorry. So it's about bringing learning, student voice and student action together so the girls then take that to the next level. For us, listening to Nancy just before talking through the different projects and so forth, that's really exciting to hear because obviously we're going on the journey of Round Square and it's very much one of the reasons we've done it. But it made me remember um, a project our Year 4 girls did a few years ago where they were doing a unit of inquiry investigating water conservation and they were looking at their own conservation of water and they linked up with a school overseas in Africa to compare notes and to talk about that together. And it gave them a much greater understanding when they could see the difficulties that a different community were going through and to understand what they may take for granted here in Melbourne with our use of water, our availability of water um, and all of the processes we have in place to support us. But then to talk firsthand with a community who didn't have any of that, who were really, um, it was very difficult for them to gather water and to conserve water. That had far more meaning than anything that we could have taught the girls. They learned that firsthand. You know, we learn in school, we impact in the local community, but if we can engage with um, the wider community, particularly the global community, and as much as a pandemic has caused us a lot of pain over the last 12 months, I think our engagement in ways such as like this has really increased um, for staff and for students and in some ways maybe has made us more global and that's an exciting opportunity for us to keep investigating further. Nancy, what would you like to add? You know, at St. Mildred's Lightbourne School, in terms of our service approach, we begin by instilling in our girls that using their gifts to be of service is actually the fullest expression of their life and that the quality of their own life comes from the quality of their contribution. And as a school, we also recognize that becoming a leader and developing the tools to be a global change maker takes practice. Similar to your school, Linda, all of our service initiatives are student-led, where the students will have a strong voice. And even our youngest Millies are viewed as leaders and change makers. You know, one other point uh, that our school acknowledges is that cha change makers must include girls who lead quietly, led by example, lead without taking on any formal responsibilities. And we remind everyone in our school community that being a leader and a change maker comes from within. And to gain the necessary practice, we believe that it's important to go beyond the one-off service trip or a service excursion. And as Linda said, 
really look at the multiple areas of service so that it's authentic. And we want our girls to create a, a deeper educational impact through a broader concept of community engagement. And this is where our girls can actually connect with those who've walked different paths to their own and truly learn to listen so that they can begin to get a greater grasp of the nuances of what is required for authentic and effective service and community action. What I love so much about doing these interviews, which our listeners unfortunately can't see, are the enthusiastically nodding heads of each of the guests as the other is, is speaking. My, my last question for both of you, and, and it is a big one, as you educate ethical global citizens, intellectual risk-taking, the asking of questions, forging well-informed opinions, and engaging in civil discourse is a very much needed 21st century skill. In our increasingly diverse society and global world, how do you guide students and faculty to engage in respectful dissent and debate? Nancy, I'm going to have you start us off. As you've said, perhaps more than any other moment in history, it's important to educate and empower girls to become women who can challenge and change the world, which is our, our mission at our school. So as change makers, Debate, disagreement, offering other points of view must be at the forefront of our work. Uh, we believe that engaging in respectful dissent and debate needs to start at the senior leadership team levels of the school, also at every committee, every staff meeting, and so that there can be a growing comfort level with disagreement so that we can have varying points of view and then we can model disagreement and the comfort level and transfer to a classroom level. Creating a culture where staff and students feel safe in expressing their ideas is really a foundation for engaging in respectful dissent. And this is especially important for our girls who, who need to have opportunities to use their voices. Also, as we work to create equitable, diverse and inclusive cultures, which support our school vision of personalization. So we have just been connected with Anima Leadership, a wonderful um, organization who came to our school recently for a professional development. And they talked about developing in schools uh, and also nurturing a brave space for conflict, uh, that this is essential for schools so that when the need for brave conversations arise, that we have a safe space in which to address. Other strategies that we use to support differing points of view and dissent are really uh, consciously setting team norms for interacting with one another, creating uh, and consciously and deliberately creating a spirit of collaboration, using the language of the virtues from the Virtues Project. And finally, at the classroom level at St. Mildred's Lightborn, the global competencies of critical thinking, problem solving, communication, collaboration and creativity are taught and being integrated through the lens of a constructivist approach of inquiry learning, project-based learning and thinking by design, all of which require the students and the teachers and mentors to work side by side so that they can share ideas, explore concepts, and investigate their differing points of view. Linda, what reflections would you like to add? 
I, that's really hard to add to what Nancy said. It was so beautifully said as well. Thank you, Nancy. Um, I really like the way you started by talking about culture. And I think this is really central to understand the, the culture of the school and to set that culture with everybody within the school and to make sure that respect is very central. Similarly to Nancy, we have essential agreements that are developed by the students with the staff to say what the culture will be within the classroom. And so that is very much about respecting the views and ideas of everyone. We've always had a, a, a culture of public speaking and debate right from the very early years. We think it's important that the girls understand that their voice is valued. They have the opportunity to raise their voice and we give them those opportunities so that they are able to speak publicly. And it starts right from our very young girls, just speaking at assembly, each and every one of them. And I sit on the side and I watch these little girls standing on their tippy toes to get to the microphone. And you just think, oh, goodness, there's no way I would have done that when I was five years old. Isn't that great that our girls are having that opportunity? And I think that getting the the empowerment of being able to speak publicly, to say what you think, to know that others will listen, they may not agree, but they will listen, is really important for us. And we, as I said, have that public speaking and debating focus going right through the school. Just this week, and I think this is a very timely conversation to be having at the moment, one of the American journalists, I think her father had worked for the Capitol Police, and she talked about the fact that in his job, he respected politicians based on their humanity, not their ideology. And I thought about that statement. I thought, wow, that's so important. I really do feel that's the way that we always try and educate our girls. This is about your humanity, your contribution to your humanity, to humanity, and how we treat others. And we must always come from that place of respect. Thanks for speaking with me today. I appreciate you sharing how your schools are inspiring young women to be informed, engaged global citizens who will lead lives with courage and competence and empathy. Before speaking with my next guests, Let's take a moment to check in with Executive Director Megan Murphy about what's happening at NCGS. Hi, Olivia. The topic of today's episode of Pep Talks really has me thinking about our Global Action Research Collaborative on Girls Education. Launched by NCGS back in 2019-2020 with a two-year pilot program, this collaborative really is the world's first action research initiative that's dedicated exclusively to exploring the education and healthy development of girls. And NCGS recently selected its second cohort of teacher researcher fellows who will conduct action research related to problem solving, uh, problem solving about capacity and confidence and skills in girls. And I think that this is so relevant to what you're discussing with your guests today. It's the need to help girls develop the confidence and problem-solving skills required to enact the change that they want to see in their communities and in the world. And we know from the 2018 research study entitled Fostering Academic and Social Engagement that girls' school graduates, when compared to their co-educated peers, develop higher levels of cultural competency, stronger community involvement, and increased political engagement. So girls' schools are already graduating global change makers, but what are the best practices in our schools that lead to this unique outcome? 
how do educators create environments that help girls foster a willingness to confidently embrace all aspects of problem solving? Those are the exact kinds of questions our Global Action Research Collaborative will explore throughout 2021 and 2022. And we're also looking forward to members of our pilot group of fellows to present on their preliminary findings during the 2021 virtual conference, which is entitled Girls' Schools, Building Communities of Belonging. The research theme for this group was feedback to move forward, to thrive, and to grow. Teacher researchers in seven different countries have been conducting action research at their schools really for the past year, related to how different feedback strategies can positively impact resilience in girls. So I do hope that you'll join us online on June 21, 22, and 23 to learn about the outcomes of this really exciting research. This is so exciting. And I know that Natalie Demers, our Director of Research Initiatives and Programs, is very eager, along with the entire NCGS team, for the first cohort of fellows to share their findings in June. Thanks so much, Megan. When developing students to be impactful global citizens, we want them to be engaged, educated, empathetic, and ethical. For the second half of today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Karen Rizak and one of her students, Anaira, at Kent Place School. Dr. Rizak is the founding director of the Ethics Institute at Kent Place School in Summit, New Jersey, located about one hour west of New York City. Anaira is an 11th grade and has been actively involved in several aspects of the school's Ethics Institute since she was in middle school. Anaira and Dr. Rizak, thanks for being with me today. Dr. Rizak, tell me about the founding of the Ethics Institute. Why did Camp Place determine this was an area they wanted to focus on in girls' education? About 12 years ago, I was serving as the director of the middle school at Kent Place. And one of the things that I noticed repeatedly was that the emphasis seemed to be on what the students were accomplishing or what the students were producing or, you know, what test grade they got or what club they became president of rather than who they are as people. And I felt almost that the personhood of our students was being lost in the pursuit of perfection or production. And at the same time, Social media and technology had really boomed. And the fact that a student's decision could have profound and far-reaching impact was another key reason why I thought about the Ethics Institute. So combining that, like, who am I as a person? What do I value as a person? And how do I make decisions that are so difficult in the everyday and do I realize that my decision could have such an impact, not only on the world because of the far reach of technology, but on me and for a long time? And for those reasons, I thought, you know, ethics is probably the way in or the avenue to get to um, having students discover for themselves what their value system is and how they would utilize those values in making everyday decisions. The whole idea behind the Ethics Institute was to create an ethical climate and to teach students a practice of ethical decision making that was not only something for the classroom, but was something for everyday life in schools. And so I founded the Ethics Institute as 
an institute for primary and secondary school communities, therefore involving all of those constituent groups, where the emphasis would be on a practice of ethical decision making, not only learning about ethics, but how do we become ethical people, ethical leaders, people who know who we are as authentic beings. So what does the Institute look like today? How is it structured and what programming do you offer? It's really two-pronged, inward to Kent Place School and outward to the rest of the nation and the community outside of Kent Place School. We offer within Kent Place School a K-12 scope and sequence. We are in the process of developing a really fascinating primary school program called The Bee, Be Ethical Everywhere, which features Beatrice the Bee and the exploits of Beatrice the Bee as she finds herself in predicaments that require an ethical decision. And so this is a major production that we're piloting right now at Kent Place. Um, So that's our primary school program. In the middle school, we offer ethics one and two electives. We offer a seminar to sixth grade students, and we have a number of clubs. Ethics is part of just about every class where teachers come to either me or my colleague and ask us for case studies or ideas as to how to incorporate ethics into their discipline. And of course, we have a middle school ethics bowl team. The Ethics Institute at Kent Place School um, is responsible for the New Jersey Ethics Bowl and this year, the first ever National Middle School Ethics Bowl. And so that's an, that's an example of a program that started within Kent Place that is now extending to schools across the country. In the high school, we offer an Ethics One uh, mandatory course, uh, but then we have a number of signature programs. And Naira has been a part of those signature programs. And of course, we have the ethics ball team, which we continue to strive to become national champions. (laughs) Those programs, um, as I said, we offer outside of Kent Place School as well. And we offer to students outside. We also offer a host of workshops for faculty professional development, for parents, We have partnerships, for example, with Georgetown University, with uh, community members that are here in New Jersey to offer ethical experts and experts in all sorts of areas, law, medicine, the current pandemic. Um, Because again, the whole idea is that ethics is not just a course where you put the book on the shelf. Ethics is a part of everyday life. And so there are so many ethical decisions that we face every day. So we try to be relevant at all times. We really focus again on the needs of students and parents and teachers who are teaching at these levels. We really try to offer relevant programming and relevant resources for people um, across the country. So Naira, I'd love to hear about your engagement with the Ethics Institute. What originally interested you in getting involved and what's motivated you to continue? So in middle school, I became extremely interested in ethics through joining the Ethics Bowl Club at the time, a formal team in which we competed. It was a club where we discussed a lot of ethical issues and their real world implications. And I became interested in it because a few of my friends and I had been exposed to the ethical values, as Dr. Rezac mentioned, through various seminars or in our curriculums as and can place. Ethics is a very interdisciplinary part of the curriculum. So I ended up going to the middle school club, and I realized how many ethical dilemmas are in our society, which often get overshadowed, I think, 
by their impact on certain communities and are often seen as things that students can't talk about because of their prevalence and their impact. And I think after that meeting, I realized how passionate I was about ethics and its ability to transform my mindset and empathize with others and look at all of the stakeholders in a case, look at the implications it can have for future generations and those impacting around me. And then in high school, my freshman year, I decided to join the high school ethics bowl team. I say this a lot to everyone I talk to about the team, but this is one of the biggest parts of my life at the moment. It has changed who I am as a person. It has changed how I approach issues and what I am passionate about. I think in a time of social justice and the pandemic that we are in now, Ethics Bowl has prepared me to act and be passionate and speak about issues that I'm, that I believe are significant to my community and others around me. Now more than ever, it's really important to look at the various injustices that occur in healthcare or in accessibility and being exposed to all of those issues as a student has really motivated me to become more involved with ethics even after my time at Kent Place because not only am I very passionate about it, but I'm realizing how it really impacts every decision that I make as a leader, as a student, as a sister, as a daughter. Any part of my identity, any facet of it is ultimately interconnected with decision making and being exposed to ethics as a middle schooler and later becoming so involved in it with my time in the high school um, has really proved to be beneficial. And it's something that I really would hope many other students and girls would be passionate about pursuing as well. Dr. Rizak, I was speaking with my other guests earlier about educating and empowering girls to become globally minded change makers. Why do you think the practice of ethical thinking and decision making is a critical element for preparing girls to be effective, compassionate leaders? One of the most important elements and aspects of ethics and talking about ethical issues and engaging students in ethical decision making is first and foremost that they bring their authentic selves to the conversation. And then that every single person has a place at the table. And we talk, when we talk global, often we think about, you know, the other side of the world, which is really very important. But we also have to think about the other side of the classroom or the other side of the school where students have the opportunity to learn that, you know, my best friend has a different um, opinion or would make a different decision about this ethical dilemma than I do. How is that even possible? And but to have the type of civil discourse around ethics that allows each person, again, to bring her authentic self to the table, that everyone else listens generously to what the other is saying and then completely opens their mind to multiple perspectives. As Anaira just said, that every stakeholder perhaps has a different perspective on any one issue. And that's the essence of global leadership is the ability to listen to, to understand, to appreciate and to respect, and then to respond respectfully to the perspectives that everyone else can bring. And again, it doesn't mean that you agree, but you understand why somebody may have a completely different approach or a completely different idea about a really critical issue. You know, just saying yes, no, and shutting off the conversation. Ethics opens up the conversation. You know, I must say to the students at least, you know, three times a day, think, 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 you know, open your mind. 
And that's what global perspectives are about. And then when you hear the authenticity of other people, you can't help but become a more empathetic person. You can't help but become a more compassionate person because in opening your mind, you really can hear and understand the perspectives of other people. Again, you start in your own classroom or even in your own family, you know, you start in your own world and then that spreads out. And that's how global perspectives are really listened to, attained, achieved. And then we've developed ethical leaders who can take those skills and apply them to any global issue with the purpose of, again, not agreeing 100%, but being able to come to an understanding and consensus. You know, when you utilize the values that are really important to you as an individual, even, you know, when we do this with teachers, frequently teachers say, you know, sometimes the school makes policy, but we don't know where the policy comes from. Well, the school needs to be very clear about what the school's values are. And then when policy decisions are made, it doesn't leave people scratching their heads wondering why. Why did they make that decision? Um, because it should be very clear. You know, if we value the safety of our students, perhaps we're going to a hybrid model. I mean, I'm being very simplistic, but... But doing those types of things and having those types of conversations can lead to nowhere else but great global ethical leaders who are compassionate, who can listen, who can think, and who can reason. So, Naira, you were sharing how your experience in the Ethics Institute has really helped you to speak up about what you're passionate about. Could you expand a little bit more about how you've been impacted by your involvement in the Ethics Institute? What skills do you think that you've gained or honed through this experience? Sure. So the essence, as Dr. Rizak was talking about, of ethics and ethics education is the exposure to various topics and the exposure to different opinions. And I think when it comes to finding things that I'm passionate about or speaking up about things that I feel are prevalent in my com community and need to be um, spoken about, I think ethics has given me the skills to analyze those problems and those issues from a holistic perspective. Ethics has allowed me to look at every small impact and its weight in comparison to other situational contexts to try to combat with the polarization and perhaps even have a bigger impact on the issues that I'm passionate about by reaching more people and being able to empathize with them through that lens of compassion and empathy. Additionally, I do think I've gained a lot of just skills, life skills through ethics. I think in the process of competing in the ethics bowl, having to combat with quest difficult questions or having to acknowledge that. And I think as a person and as a citizen, as I'm going to go out into the world, I think that's a very important skill to have uh, a skill where you can acknowledge your differences with someone else while also being passionate and hold your own true values close to yourself. And in terms of a more specific thing, I think through bioethics, I have gained so much knowledge about the current ethical dilemmas that are happening from experts, whether we have a panel about medical aid and dying or the disproportionate effects of the pandemic on POC. I think all of those issues have made me a more informed citizen and a more informed student about the justice issues that happen across the country. And I think all of those are skills that I can definitely apply as I grow into being an adult, because I do want to have an impact. I do want to become a leader in some sense. And my exposure to this at a young age, along with the ethical decision-making model and the ethical mind frame would really allow me to provide solutions or engineer solutions that really benefit everyone. 
So you were referencing the future in your answer there, and I would love to hear how your experience with the Institute has influenced your plans for next year and even your time after Kemp Place. Yeah, so in my future, I definitely would want to integrate ethics into any career path I choose. I think ethics is something that can be applied to any job in the sense that it's not a one-sided approach to anything. It's a process. It's a part of your identity. It's a core set of your fundamental values that no matter what you pursue would streamline the decisions that you make in that career. But I definitely think in terms of next year, I'm hoping that our team wins another championship, our regional championship, and we advance to the nationals. That's definitely a big priority of mine. And it is something that I'm extremely passionate about. So whether it's pursuing more research next year, or even in college, to talk about those justice issues and those ethical implications, I think that's extremely important to me. I've always been someone that's extremely interested in business and economics. And I think that's a very interesting juxtaposition to ethics because I think historically business practices or this uh, capitalist idea can be seen as something that disregards ethics and a very materialistic society that we move towards. But I do think that's something that even furthers the importance of ethics and my knowledge of ethics in that passion, because I think I can definitely intersect ethics and business to look at the subsets of economics and how sometimes ethics is overshadowed and the importance of ethics in our business models and our economic practices as everything is intertwined. And as we're seeing now, the exposure of various justice issues, I think I can definitely pursue a business career. I think that's something that I'm extremely passionate about pursuing and studying in college. Dr. Rizak, what are some key aspects and outcomes of teaching ethics that you'd really love to see incorporated into more schools? Without a doubt, I would love to see ethics become a practice in more schools so that it's part of the whole school climate. And again, not just a course. And what that means, again, is getting every single person in the school involved. Ethics really becomes part of the language. It just becomes a part of the ethos. So yes, it's very interdisciplinary. It's in business, it's in law, it's in science, it's in the arts. And we do programs, by the way, in all of those disciplines, but it's also in the advisory group. It's in the dining hall. It's in the locker room. Um, When students, when teachers, colleague to colleague are faced with ethical dilemmas and how do you go about making a decision where there's no clear cut right and wrong answer? I've seen at the school and, and, and what I try to do, I try to do as the ethics director, but even more so when I was the middle school director, whenever there was a situation that, again, was no clear cut right or wrong, I would say, you know, I really have to think about that. And once I make the decision, I'll come back to you and tell you why I made that decision. And so just that, that, you know, we don't have to have a split second decision for every situation that we're put in. And then I would come back and say, I really thought about it. And I considered A, I considered B, I considered C. But in the end, because I value fairness or whatever it was, this was the decision that I made. And modeling that for students, I think, is the most powerful thing we can do for them today. Because we have to teach them how to be more thoughtful, how to be thinkers, how to reason, how to listen, you know, how to respond after you've listened and not thought about your answer while someone else is talking. You know, another thing I want to say about why ethics is so important in schools today, we don't only live in today and our students who have a bright and beautiful future, 
they have to be also thinking about the decisions that they make and the potential benefit or the potential harm. What are the unintended consequences of the decisions that we make today? Not only as a society, but in our lives personally. Helping schools to become ethical communities is the goal and the mission and the vision of the Ethics Institute at Kent Place. Dr. Rizak and Anaira, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning more about the innovative work happening at the Ethics Institute at Kent Place School. Thanks for listening. Like what you heard? Be sure to subscribe to Pep Talks, podcasts on educational possibilities, and leave a rating and a review. Stay current on the latest NCGS offerings, resources, and research by subscribing to the Coalition Connection newsletter found in the news section at ncgs.org. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Girl Schools. Pep Talks is produced by the National Coalition of Girl Schools, the leading advocate for girl schools, connecting and collaborating globally with individuals, schools, and organizations dedicated to educating and empowering girls. Thank you.